0: Three of your buds have a cabin reserved at Baker this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Everyone gets off work at 5. You'll pack the car, hit the road by 6, and get there by 9. Oh, man. But then there's the food. Don't waste your time eating mediocre meals at overpriced restaurants. Let Fireside Provisions help. Go to FiresideProvisions.com. Select your dates and group size, then choose from a variety of gourmet meals created by award-winning chefs. Fireside will deliver all the fixings you need to make an epic meal with your favorite people, right to your cabin door. Fireside, mouth-watering meals for campfire or cabin. (laughs) This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a Duct Tape Than Beer production. With additional support from New Belgium Brewing, Kuat Racks, and Patagonia. having books overdue at the library, and I cannot stand the feeling of missing deadlines. So I avoided walking by the gear issue closet, the way you might avoid bumping into someone who had loaned you a bunch of money that you couldn't pay back yet. I felt like the person manning the gear rental counter somehow knew about the pair of rented climbing shoes tucked down inside my backpack, knew that I shouldn't have them. They were weeks overdue after all but I couldn't fathom letting them out of my hands now. I'd signed up for a job mopping floors and scrubbing bathrooms at McMurdo Station in Antarctica for a summer season. I'd been lured by the thought of adventure and the free ticket to New Zealand on the way back. It turned out to be an adventure all right, just not exactly the way that I had pictured it. My job involved cleaning one of the biggest, most high-traffic buildings on station, Building 155. The building housed the galley, the computer lab, the housing office, the recreation office, and also a bunch of dorm rooms and lounges, all of which drew an endless stream of people to dirty the hallways and restrooms. With each day of summer, the sun lingered higher and higher in the sky. Eventually, it just circled in a continuous loop overhead. The ice around station melted, which left massive patches of volcanic mud between all the buildings. So, of course, a never-ceasing trail of red-black footprints tracked through the hallways of my building. Eventually, I learned to let go and enjoy the endless cleaning process, swirling the cotton mop head zen-like back and forth across the tile, rhythmically dancing with the heavy wooden handle in my car and hiking boots.
1: Don't
0: I knew when I packed my bags for Antarctica that there was no guarantee that I'd ever get off station to see anything else. I knew I would work indoors, and that any extra field trips off station or boondoggles, as they called them, would be a bonus, just the icing on the cake, and that didn't really bother me much at first. The air that had rushed at me when I first stepped off the plane felt colder than anything I'd felt before, probably just about 15 below zero. But as the spring turned to summer. The temperatures began to seem more reasonable. They even hit the 30s a few times. And looking outside my dorm window at the glacier-carved mountains across McMurdo Sound from our station began to feel like a real tease. Craggy and curved peaks, wild islands, and vast plains of ice stretched away in all directions from town. A couple of different hiking routes branched out from the station and flags marked each of the routes every 20 feet or so to show the safe way amongst the crevasses and to keep travelers from getting lost in a whiteout. But other than the occasional blustery walk up Observation Hill or out to Castle Rock, my life had started to revolve solely between my dorm room, building 155, and one of the three rustic bars on station. I worked 60 hours a week with one day off. I shared a tiny room with another young woman and the set of bunk beds, desk and chair, and two small closets left only enough room to walk in between. And my roommate worked nights, so when I finished my workday and just wanted to change my clothes or have a little quiet time alone, she was still sleeping in our room, in the middle of her night. So I welled away my evening hours either knitting in a dorm lounge, running on one of the station's couple of treadmills, or sipping beer on a bar stool. Until the Sunday afternoon when I followed my friend Doug up a narrow, twisted staircase in one of the crusty, garage-like buildings left over from the station's army days. Behind the door at the top of those stairs hid a magical place. Someone had attached sheets of plywood to the walls and the ceiling of the room, arching at various angles. Plastic climbing holds dotted the walls and ceiling at regular intervals, except for a couple of small windows, through which the bright white Antarctic summer light shone. Stained, misshapen twin mattresses covered the floor. Doug plopped down on a mattress and pulled on his climbing shoes. I laced up the purple rentals and watched him as he nimbly traversed around the room, clinging to holds without ever dabbing a foot down. He looked like a ballet dancer to me. Doug grunted, reaching for a distant hold, and then plopped with a sigh down on the mattress. It's your turn, he said. Try only using the ones with the pink tape. I grasped a knob on the wall and placed my feet onto two small nubbins for footholds. I felt embarrassed that I didn't really know how to do it, but my excitement for this new thing quickly outshone any embarrassment. I gunned for the next right handhold, then the left. I only made it a few feet before I lost my grip and popped backward to a seat on the pile of mattresses. Before I even got back on the wall, I knew that I wouldn't be taking those purple shoes back to gear issue that night and probably not the next night, either. I took turns with Doug. We monkeyed around the room from hold to hold until I could barely grip my shoelaces to untie them. Not the smartest thing to do, when your job requires that you grip a mop, broom, vacuum, rag, or scrub brush for about 10 hours a day. The next day, my forearms felt like two by fours, wooden and stiff. I held the mop loosely between the palms and fingers. I knew I wouldn't be able to hold myself on the wall that night, but certainly the next night, right? Slowly feeling the flow from one hold to the next sent a beautiful, focused rush to my brain and calmed my heart each time I reached for those grippy plastic holds. All day, I longed for that minute when I could stash the buckets and sponges in the janitor closet and dash over to the bouldering cave, the rented shoes and a cookie to snack on in my backpack. I didn't have much technique since I climbed mostly alone and had nobody to take pointers from. I just raced against the pump clock and I could not resist it. Slowly, the light at McMurdo began to change. The sun dipped lower toward the horizon each night, and all the summer employees started pulling out their New Zealand guidebooks and making plans for what they'd do when they got back to the land of green plants, warm beaches, and fresh fruits and veggies. I finally, sheepishly, returned the purple 510s to gear issue and started to make my own plans. After my weeks of slouching around guiltily, the volunteer at the counter barely even noticed that the shoes were overdue. One day during my last couple of weeks on station, lost in thought, in the middle of a work day, I pulled each of the trash cans out of their respective cupboards in a dorm lounge to empty them into their matching big dumpsters. Since there's no landfill at McMurdo, The station divides trash and recycling into 12 different categories, which the waste department then sorts into even more categories, and ships away each year when the resupply cargo ship arrives. One of the categories stays on station, though. The stuff in the skua bin. A real-life skua is a lot like a seagull, but bigger. They're what scientists call kleptoparasites, because they'll steal food that's already been caught or collected by other animals. A handful of SKUAs usually swarms around the McMurdo trash bins, waiting for a scrap to steal. They've even been known to swoop sandwiches right out of people's hands. In the McMurdo trash and recycle system, the bins labeled SKUA are like free boxes. Got a shirt that you don't need anymore? Or a book that you've already read but you don't want to pack on the plane when you leave? Dump it in the SKUA bin. When the bins fill up, we janitors would carry the stuff to SKUA Central. Kind of like a grungy version of Goodwill with no price tags. Everything is free for the taking. Christmas lights, fake plants, worn out running shoes, dog-eared romance novels. I yanked open the scuba bin door last that day to see if it needed to be emptied. Sometimes days would go by without anything interesting being left, but I never knew what I would find in there, so I cautiously lifted a grungy t-shirt to see what lay underneath. I didn't dare believe what I saw a pair of well-broken-in red 5'10 Anasazi moccasins. Looking around me, I thought, there must have been an accident. Nobody would have knowingly left these here, right? Holding one up against my foot for size, I could hardly believe it. It looked like they fit. I didn't know where I'd go climbing again once I left McMurdo, or who I could do it with, but I packed the shoes in my duffel and left them in a locker while I backpacked and hitchhiked around New Zealand for a few weeks. When I got back to Denver and picked up a job waiting tables, I shoved the shoes back in my closet. I assumed that I'd make use of them at some point, but they stayed in the back of my closet. Three different closets, actually, as I dated one guy, started a magazine job with a big commute, broke up with the one guy and then eventually got laid off from the magazine job. I almost laughed out loud with relief as I finally pulled the mashed up moccasins from the back of my closet six years later. I'd never forgotten them. I'd just been distracted, unsure where to take them and lacking a partner. Finally, top roping in Boulder Canyon was almost nothing like bouldering in the cave at McMurdo. It felt wonderful in a whole different way the thrill of moving upward along the rock toward the sky, the golden sun barely filtered by the thin Colorado air, this is what I'd been saving them for. Those hand-me-down moccasins were already worn thin, but they still stuck perfectly to that low-angle granite. Eventually, I started leading, learning trad, and venturing up into the alpine. I traveled all over the west, and climbing opened up terrain to me that I'd only dreamed about before. Of course, I eventually upgraded to a newer, better-fitting pair of climbing shoes. But over the years, I could never quite bring myself to just chuck those softened red slip-ons. So a few months ago, I paid $45 to have them resold. I stuck them in a shoebox to mail to my little sister. She had just quit her job to travel, finding her way from a corporate job in LA to the mountains of Europe, eventually landing a seasonal gig in Banff. And she'd started to get curious about this rock climbing thing. I push the shoebox across the counter at the UPS store. Maybe they'll sit in the back of her closet for a while. But maybe, maybe, they'll open up a world to her, like the one that they opened up for me. My name is Hilary Oliver, and this is my short.
1: Thank you, Hilary, for sharing your story. You can find more of Hillary's writing at decryption.com. Music today from Fog Lake and The King in Yellow. The tracks are courtesy of Mevios Music Alley and Free Music Archive. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the Diaries comes from our newest sponsor, Fireside Provisions. Go to firesideprovisions.com, check out their ski provisions line, and choose from options like the Rainier, two servings of wild-caught salmon served with roasted whole garlic cloves, marble potatoes, and a side of sauteed kale. Ship straight to your cabin door. Use the offer code DIRTBAG to get 10% off your first order. The Diaries are made possible by the good people of Patagonia who believe that repair is a radical act. Go to patagonia.com to find guides to repair and care for your gear. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. Visit newbelgium.com to track down the six-pack of their first-ever barley wine, blackberry barley wine ale. And from Kuat Racks, the little company who believed they could make a better bike rack. This episode was produced by Jen Alchell, I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.